0: I never use the the term overcome fear or get rid of fear or, you know, there's that punch fear in the face kind of mm-hmm. um, meme, right? So I, I would never recommend that. You kind of have to be okay with your fear.
1: Welcome to People at Work, the podcast that wants to help you simplify and improve your working life. It's Dustin from Jostle, and I'll be your host for today's episode. I'm really excited to have Marina as our guest today. Uh, Marina is a public speaking coach who's a self-proclaimed nerd for all things communication and today we'll be chatting a bit about how introverts process information differently and maybe some strategies that can help more introverted people. Uh, welcome, Marina. It's great to have you as a guest.
0: Thank you. It's a huge honor.
1: I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, introverts are something like I talk about a lot internally because that's what I am and how I process information and most of my team. Um, so I'm sure I'll learn a lot from this one. Can you, can you maybe tell your listeners or our listeners a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to where you are today?
0: Sure, thanks. Uh, well, the short story is, like I said, like you said, I'm a public speaking coach. So I work mostly with executives who want to make their presentations a little bit more persuasive or engaging or just a little bit more dynamic, um, or powerful or leave an impression. Mm-hmm. And actually, my specialty is people who have this immense stage fright. Yeah. But that's actually a bit of a Trojan horse. Horror- a bit of a Trojan horse, the public speaking piece, because we actually focus on all elements of communication, whether that's meetings or interviews, or um, sales calls, or you know holding meetings. Um, and what I try to do is I try to kind of instill, help instill um, my clients to step into this new sense of confidence and presence that's reflected in how they communicate. And so we kind of cultivate. Uh, strategies in order to feel more confident and feel a little bit stronger in their skin as a leader, while still maintaining um, a sense of who they are, so that they still feel true, them- true to themselves. Now, one common pattern between the people who generally seek me out is that they generally characterize themselves as introverts, such hmm. as myself. I'm an introvert myself. And they tend to tell me that in their, uh, they, they all face a certain challenge certain common challenges in their workplace and so aside from helping them in the ways that they can control I often think to myself oh man I wish I could just go and talk to your boss and coach your boss and help them cultivate a new culture in the workplace that would honor your voice and probably so many other people's voices in your workplace and so that's kind of one aspect that I've been trying to shift into recently.
1: Awesome. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that whole honor thy introverts piece is actually, well, that was a phrase you used when we first started talking. That's super interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to dive into that a bit, but maybe just as a bit of background for our listeners, can you maybe give a little bit of info on how introverts and extroverts are different, uh, especially in regards to how they process information and, and communicate?
0: Right. So first of all, I want to preface by saying this isn't 100% true for 100% of people, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. I get people kind of hone in on one tiny detail and like, no, this doesn't apply to me. Well, it, it, it's it's all relative, right? Yeah. This is just something that I've been noticing. Um, so recently, there's we're kind of living in this era of collaboration, right? Of workplace collaboration. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is for us introverts, when we come across a new concept or a new problem, we like to analyze it and think about it in our own heads and kind of take it from start to finish, if that makes sense. So in doing that, we generally like to, as we're thinking about it, we might actually encounter the actual roadblocks or problems in our solution and then maybe shift the perspective Again, this is all happening in our own brain, in our own head, Um, shift the perspective and see how that can be mitigated or how that can be solved and so on. And so in our own heads, we kind of craft like a pretty well thought out solution to a certain problem that takes multiple perspectives into account. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would you relate to that?
1: Yeah, I totally relate to that. Um, And it's something that kind of comes up in, in meetings as well here. Um, so just the way, if you get a really extroverted person, kind of by default, they're going to talk out loud, not to dominate the room. It's just how they think and how they yeah. process information. And then oftentimes though, there's maybe the quieter, more introverted person who has a genius idea and is just processing it and it's going to take a minute and then boom, the train's gone and they never had an opportunity. So that's exactly. something we try to facilitate here, but it's it's always a challenge for sure.
0: Yeah. So that's exactly what ends up happening. So Again, when a problem is presenting, let's say, in a meeting with, you know, multiple people, let's say five or more people, Mm -hmm. um, again, in the spirit of collaboration, we start brainstorming. And usually, well, not usually, but in some workplaces, only one or two voices get heard. And these are the more dynamic voices, right? Extroverts are a little bit more used to just putting their first idea out there and letting it develop out loud. Mm -hmm again there's nothing wrong with that it's a it's actually really good for collaboration or it's really good for brainstorming it's a really good place to start and we all kind of need that person to to get the spark going like it it, it actually really really helps but again it, in that spirit of collaboration that first idea is the one that gets all the traction and all the airtime because everybody starts adding to adding to it mm-hmm. now and it takes off an uh, it takes on a life of its own as if it's the only as if it's the only idea yeah um, now we introverts. We generally don't like to interrupt, mostly because we don't really know how, uh, and we we don't like to interrupt. We don't like to compete for airtime, and we don't want to start to say something if we're not going to get a chance to finish, right? Yeah. So if there's a if there's a little bit of a culture of interrupting and competition, like we generally probably won't even speak up until we're invited.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's that ends up you end up missing out on great ideas potentially that way, right?
0: Exactly. You end up missing out on really important ideas and really important voices, all because you just kind of focus on um, the the one or two that just come up right at the beginning. So our introvert just doesn't, sometimes, just doesn't really get that chance to speak up or to lay their full solution out there. And again, yeah. the workplace really misses out.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things... It, that I've struggled with kind of balancing is you want to ask that person for their opinion, but you don't want to call them out in a meeting because of like the fear you talked about, maybe the public speaking fear or Mm -hmm. kind of the fear of speaking a thought before it's fully processed.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you have any
1: tips on maybe how to handle, handle that?
0: Um, So let me start with, um, I guess how to handle that as, as the leader, right. As the person in charge. So, first of all, I would say, first of all, pay attention. so what you said is maybe you, you might notice that one the, the, a couple of people always speak up and a couple of people never speak up, right? Mm-hmm. So pay attention if you're all, always engaging with the same people yeah. um, and again it might it's, it's tempting to be, to keep the conversation moving right it's, it's very tempting to just keep things dynamic and fast paced um, but <sighs> keep in mind that another person just might not know how to jump in. Mm -hmm. So um, if, so one thing you could say is, is there something anyone else would like to add or, or just ask, is there something you'd like to add specifically to the person? Now that takes a little bit of the edge off instead of just telling them, asking what they think, is there something you'd like to add? Or what do you think about this? Just gives an invitation to start Uh, processing that idea out loud to that person, right? But they don't have to, you know, the way that you phrase it, they don't have to speak up when um, at at that exact time. Um, And then uh, they may just be waiting for your invitation, but then hold that space for them to actually finish their thought without getting interrupted.
1: Yeah. I think the pause on kind of both ends is super Mm -hmm. important, right? So the pause at the front end of here's a place where someone can jump in. Uh, That's something I struggled with more so earlier in my career is I have an idea, I wanna jump in, but everyone's talking and then I, I don't know when to actually speak up, yeah, right? Yeah, and so I'll having get to that, that pause in helps. a second
0: as well. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, the other thing I would say is, oh, and, and just going back to my last point, is help to mm-hmm. cultivate um, a, a culture where your team members are not uh, competing, right? And not interrupting yeah. each other. Uh, because if they're feeling like competing, they wanna show off to you as the leader, uh, obviously, there may be a little bit of an incentive to keep other people from talking right so Mm -hmm. just help cultivate the culture of everybody wants to build each other up
1: yeah Um, absolutely
0: another tip would be to send out discussion points ahead of time and see if that makes a difference maybe it won't but if you kind of send out like in in an email this is what i this is the problem i want to solve or focus on or this is what i want to talk about it allows us more analytical or more introverted voices to kind of get a head start on thinking about it, right? Because again, we like to think in private, not Mm -hmm. well with everybody talking. We like to have a little bit of time on our own. It doesn't even have to be a lot of time. It doesn't have, sometimes it's only five minutes, but if we just get a little bit of a head start, then we're a little bit more ready to speak up with everybody else
1: yeah that makes makes a ton of sense i've been using meeting agendas more and more and mm -hmm. using them as a collaborative process is something i'm playing around with Mm -hmm. and i found it's helped um some of the more introverted people get their like their space at the table i guess Mm -hmm. is the way to put it like they can add something that's their thing to the agenda they have their spot they prepare and then most of the time it's brilliant so it's I, i think yeah giving that space is super important um So I kind of wanted to jump into something you focus on quite a bit is helping people with public speaking and being more comfortable. Uh, Mm -hmm. And probably the most interesting thing I I read that really caught my eye that you mentioned is how being a natural speaker can sometimes be a liability. (laughs) I'd love if you could explain that a little bit.
0: Yeah, so somebody who, uh, this kind of goes back to being that more dynamic voice, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes when you feel like you're a natural speaker and everybody just loves to listen to you, um, you, again, you don't necessarily full, uh, lay out your full idea. You don't necessarily lay out your full idea in front of people, right? So, or before you say it out loud. So you might just start talking and jump from place to place and people can't necessarily follow you yeah um, or they're not you you might think that you're being interesting or you, you might think you're being dynamic but you're not uh and again i might be wrong on this but the person who actually works on their own public speaking or works on their own communication we kind of like to use certain tools or 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 certain strategies or certain frameworks um that tend to work and then we internalize them and so it feels it actually ends up feeling natural you end up be- becoming a natural but you we end up taking that presentation or taking our thought from along a certain path that that allows people to get kind of warmed up into the idea. And then we, we, we discuss it in, you know, let's say three points and make sure everybody's on the, on the same page and then wrap it up all together, right? So when you feel like you're a natural and you don't necessarily prepare, uh, that might make, you, make your presentation a little bit of a liability or may be a little bit of a liability to you. But if you do know that you have to over-prepare, if mm-hmm. you do know you have to over-rehearse and you actually put in the work, you are in a much better place than somebody who just wings it.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and I'm kind of curious if if there is a point when you can actually over rehearse too much, um, because personally, I've found I've done presentations before where I've kind of word for word know what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. uh, and it throws me off. I, I find knowing the points I'm going to talk about really really helps in having a structure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but how do you feel about that? Is there a place that's maybe too rehearsed?
0: It's it's personal, but I mm-hmm. would say in my in my in my Um, experience, I would say is if you're always kind of freezing up and you're always always having issues, I would say always err on over-rehearsing, overdoing it, over-preparing, right? Because you'll know eventually you're not going to need all of that rehearsing, all of that preparation. Personally, I don't. Like I can go through something once. I just need my main points and that's it. That's now. Before, I would definitely need to write everything out and definitely need to over, 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 over rehearse. So I would say start with overdoing it, and then you will know when it starts to, to just feel natural to you.
1: Yeah, I think it it's, all comes down to practice really mm-hmm. um, and like mm-hmm. putting in the reps. But also one thing, especially with podcasting, I've noticed is mm-hmm. it's painful, but going back to listen Oh
0: p- yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it's helpful, but I listened to the first couple of interviews I did and I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing?
0: I know. I feel the same way <laughs> about, about my, I, I put out a lot of videos and yeah. I, I, I can't rewatch them sometimes. I'm like, this is too, it is, it does feel painful, but you, it, and it's okay. Maybe you don't want to rewatch it or you don't want to re-listen to it. But the, the point is that you're actually putting something out there.
1: <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I have found as painful as it is though, the watching does help because you notice something like oh I keep repeating this word or I keep Mm -hmm. having this awkward pause um so yeah that that part's really interesting yeah and and one of the things you touched on a little bit as well is and and you mentioned a lot in your writing is how to detach people from that kind of fear of public speaking Mm -hmm. I I think I remember reading public speaking is either the most common fear or one of the most common (laughs) yeah Uh, so what's your approach there to help someone who just really freezes up
0: I've heard that I've heard that statistic statistic before, and I wonder if it's just kind of it's like an urban an urban legend now yeah. that everybody just quotes <laughs> it. But I mean, it it helps with my with my business, so why not? <laughs> um, it, it does take time. So detaching from public speak or detaching from fears does take time. But one of the strategies uh, I I use kind of long term strategies and and shorter term strategies with with the people I work with, and and it, you know you need a little bit of both. You need mm-hmm. the long term to kind of Help you kind of calm down for and, and actually get in, get into it, and you need the short term to uh, get you over the hump so yeah. in terms of long term, I do like to think about um, I call this fear setting and i 'm not sure where I, where I got that word from i, I didn 't come up with it myself, but Uh, It's kind of like goal setting, but the opposite, right? So you kind of think about what is the worst, worst, worst thing that could happen, you Mm -hmm. know, and then, you know, it might be that I'll freeze up or it might be that I'll just sound like an idiot or it might be, you know, just think about what is the worst thing. Okay. And if that happens, what is the worst thing then? Okay. Maybe I'll lose my job or maybe I'll, you know, people will never take me seriously again. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if that happens, what, what then? Okay. Well, maybe I'll get fired and I'll have no income and I'll have, you know, all of these things are really bad worst case scenarios. Yeah. But first of all, the likelihood of all that happening is pretty low.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And secondly, once you realize, okay, if all of these things happen, and I make a complete fool of myself, if all of these things happen, can I still recover? Yep. And the answer is always yes. So when I thought about um, I kind of wanted to leave my uh, working world behind and wanted to start my own business, you know, I had to take myself through this. And I said you know, if all of these bad things happen, like, what is the worst thing? Okay, I won't have any money. I'll I'll be completely broke. I'll be, you know, I'll feel embarrassed. That's Mm -hmm. probably the biggest, my biggest fear, right? But ultimately, like, I could still find a job. I could still, you know, I could still figure it out. I could still put my face out into the world. So ultimately, I could still recover, right? So if you start to think about it, uh through that lens it does actually help you detach from fear like okay that fear is not the worst thing ever right
1: mm-hmm.
0: um does that make sense
1: yeah it absolutely does and i think yeah it, it's kind of like you have to step into the fear and dig into it which probably freaks yeah, people out
0: exactly right? so i i i definitely i never use the the term overcome fear or get rid of fear or you know there's that punch fear in the face kind of mm-hmm. um meme right so i i would never recommend that you kind of have to be okay with your fear and in fact the fact that you have these fears of speaking up or whatever is are a good thing it means that once you once you step into it you're actually going into a new phase of who you are and you're actually doing something that's more challenging and a little bit takes more of you so it's it's a good sign having fears is actually a really good sign
1: yeah i'd be a little bit more concerned if i was doing a giant presentation and i had zero fear
0: it's, yeah, exactly. I,
1: it, that would kind of scare me a little bit more because it's like do I even care about this? Exactly. does it matter, so.
0: Exactly. And actually when I still, you know, even though I do what I do, I actually have nerves and fears when I when I have to present something, especially if it's not like um if it's not, if there's no screen or, or, you know, if it's, if I don't have a slide deck, if I just have to mm-hmm. speak off the cuff, like I do get pretty nervous. And then I just tell myself, this is my short term strategy. I tell myself, oh my God, like I have so much energy going through me. I'm like, oh God, I'm so excited about this. Like this yeah. must be a really big deal. And so I kind of changed my self-talk a little bit to help, um, to help me get, you know, push through that little bump in order to actually go through with, with, with what I need to do
1: yeah and I mean, so a theme that's come up in every conversation I've had with every topic almost on the podcast is how important self awareness is, and it kind of oh, yeah in, it kind of ties into that as well, right
0: mm-hmm. Like
1: you really have to step back and be aware of what am I feeling, what am I thinking, am I scared, why, and yeah, just being able to do that right
0: yeah and actually, yeah having the self awareness and being teaching yourself to kind of be mindful of your thoughts mm-hmm. and your the, the the sensations going through your body is actually it helps a lot it takes a lot it takes practice it yeah. takes time to cultivate that, but it helps a lot with um, any kind of long term decisions or or long term thinking or or and stuff like that
1: yeah no, I absolutely agree um and I'm curious so the fear part is kind of the front end component that people have to get over. Mm-hmm. Once they they kind of either step into their fear or detach from it, what's the next step in your process to kind of coach them to be a better speaker, a more confident speaker?
0: So the so that's a really really important uh, aspect because, like I said, um, my specialty are people with. Uh, paralyzing stage fright right Mm -hmm. so we're not talking about like oh i don't like to present we're talking about like i completely blank out or whatever um but my next process is cultivate the vision of who you want to be as a speaker right Mm -hmm. so i would never tell somebody to be you know the next tony robbins if they feel more confident being a little bit more reserved and you know like a seth godin kind of character right yeah um and vice versa and they're both amazing speakers Right? So you kind of have to cultivate, like, who do you want to be as a speaker, you kind of have to create that vision for yourself. And you have to know what that means for you. Because um, one thing I've seen other coaches do is like, Oh, just be a little bit more this or, you know, yeah. be a little louder or be a little bit more, move around more, right? But if that doesn't, if that doesn't jive with who you are, then you're, then you're never going to feel like a good speaker, you're just going to feel like a fake.
1: Yeah. And you kind of, you'd always see that with um, like the generic radio voice or the generic yeah. news anchor voice where they're kind of exactly. putting on what they think people want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally agree. I don't think that connects as well as just being yourself and maybe maybe dialing up certain parts of yourself. But Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. It- it's it's important to dial up like it, it, those are that's a very good way to put it. That's important to dial up or turn up certain aspects of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and that'll that's going to make you feel still like you're being yourself, right? But you don't have to be somebody else unless you kind of want to start moving into that direction and then that's that then you're still being yourself. You're just experimenting with a new aspect of your personality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's important just to have the growth sometimes to do something a little different, put yourself out there and even if it doesn't work, at least you grow from it a little bit, right?
0: Exactly. Um, and beyond that, so once we kind of cultivate that piece, I do like to t- take my clients through um, how to actually cultivate a, an engaging or a persuasive talk. And we kind of talk about the structure of a talk, like how mm-hmm. to ease into like how to warm up your audience um, with, the, with what you're about to present, how to give them um, like a hook, how to hook them in so that they're actually paying attention and the different elements of attention how to tie it all together at the end. So it's a little bit of a, a process or how to know what your main point is. It's a little bit of a process, but it's um, it actually creates like a very cohesive presentation at the end.
1: Yeah, and I think that it kind of ties to the storytelling aspect of a presentation mm-hmm. as well, right? Like you need those almost ups and downs or, or ebbs and flows. If it's yeah. just all energy, all in your face all the time or... Scattered all over the point. Maybe it's it's engaging, uh, mm-hmm. but you come out of it thinking like, I don't know what that person talked about, but it was exactly. kind of fun to watch.
0: Exactly. So what I like to teach is like tell people what you're gonna tell them, like ease into yeah. them, make sure that they understand. Keep repeating your what your main point is or what they you want them to walk away with as many times as you need to, right? Um, because it's never gonna feel like a broken record during mm-hmm. a single presentation. But if if they can walk away and say, I learned about, let's say in our case, oh, I learned about the difference between how introverts and extroverts communicate, then then they walk through it with something. But if, it, if, if all they walk through is, oh, it was kind of entertaining, but I don't really know what I learned, then you haven't really done your job.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like acquiring any knowledge, right? Like if you mm-hmm. read a book, it's a 300-page book, you're going to come out of it with two or three points. You're not going to remember everything. It's not, not possible. Um, so I think that's great advice of really kind of hammering home that main point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so I one last thing I'm kind of curious about and we talked about it a little bit is as a leader um kind of enabling introverts and helping them be heard we talked about it from a meeting perspective mm-hmm. but are there also maybe kind of any tools or or any other strategies that you can find or that you've used to help leaders get more out of maybe their more introverted employees
0: uh well uh, like I said, well, first of all, paying attention is a really important piece. And I, 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 you mentioned to me a little bit earlier that you've um, you've started to pay attention to your to your team, and you mm-hmm. found out that many of them have the more introverted personalities. So just being aware definitely does help. Yeah. Right. So just starting with that awareness and starting with by by paying attention. But actually, what I think I would prefer to kind of uh, the way that I would prefer to answer this is how to help those r- more reserved personalities um, uh, empower themselves to shine yeah. on their own, right? Yeah. So one phrase that I think works like a charm is, to, uh, is let me, to say, let me just jump in for a sec, because like I said, we don't like to interrupt, mm-hmm. uh, especially if we don't know if we'll, like how it's gonna be, if we're actually gonna get to speak or if we're gonna be interrupted again or whatever it may be. But what I teach is tell people, in that meeting, if everybody's, if there's a lot of back and forth, people are talking, just teach yourself to say, let me, let me jump in for a second, let me interrupt for a sec, and then pause, and wait for everybody to stop talking,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then present your idea, or start talking, or start explaining your idea, because that allows you to, let, giving that pause allows people to stop talking, like I said, yep. but just saying something like, let me just jump in for a second, is, it's still polite. Eight, mm-hmm. right you're not really being rude you're not being you're not you know um elbowing your way in but it just gives you a little bit of a it, a pattern interrupt in order to actually say what you have to say yeah. and i also um another phrase that helps is oh let me just finish i just want to finish my thought if, if mm-hmm. somebody interrupts you back right so again it's just a little phrase that helps the more reserved voice kind of speak up be able to speak up in a meeting or, you know, around people who may be intimidating or maybe a little bit more dynamic. Um, another I, another thing that I uh, suggest people do if they have um, if they have issues picking up at work is, well, first of all, start experimenting with just putting your idea, first idea out there before it's fully ready. It might feel mm-hmm. like completely unnatural. It does to me for sure. Yeah. It might feel completely unnatural, but people might appreciate it because again, you're allowing the rest of your team to, or your boss or whoever, your coworkers, um, to help you collaborate. So you, you're working on it as a team. And the third thing I would recommend is if you really didn't get a chance to say anything, just follow up with an email and just say, I, I it, this just came to me right after we left, but this is kind of my perspective on what we should do next or how we should, we should do things. And yeah. that often helps.
1: Yeah, that, that's all great advice. I mean, it, it really is kind of creating your own space and your own pause. Um, mm-hmm. And the last point as well, I really like because I've noticed um, I've worked with people before as well who they they just communicate better written. I don't know why, um, but if they have the time to just write down their thoughts and and maybe sit on it and think about it a little bit, um, that's just easier for them. So why not enable that, right?
0: Exactly. I've actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, because I've, ta- I've taken some writing workshops, because I do generally, genuinely enjoy writing and communicating through writing. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody, you know, one of the leader, one of the pre- facilitators said, well, why don't you just say things out loud, and then write them down? And I thought, wait a minute, that's like the opposite <laughs> of how I work. And like, so many other people work, like, I can't just talk and then write things out or like record it or whatever it has to be the opposite i have to write it out and then you know then i can actually add my unique voice to it through through writing
1: yeah it's funny how different people are that way because i've heard that advice as well like if you're writing a paper or something on a web page just hit record and start talking uh but yeah that definitely doesn't work for everyone at all yeah exactly awesome um thank you so much that was a great conversation on it it's something that like, as I mentioned, I, I think about a lot and, and is really relevant, and I hope it is for our listeners as well. Uh, can you maybe let our listeners know where they can find more information about you or maybe read a bit more about what you speak about?
0: Sure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for saying that. Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn, and that's mm-hmm. the easiest way to get in contact with me. So my name is Marina Shkvoretz, Um and I'm the only one, so that's, uh, I'll be pretty easy to find. Yeah. And I also post my content and, and, and monthly blog entries or videos on my website, marinashkvorets.com.
1: Okay, awesome. And we'll include those links uh, in the podcast description and on the, the little blog article we write as well. Um, so it should be nice and easy for, for our listeners to find it. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much, Marina. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. I'm really enjoying these conversations and I hope you are too. It would really mean a lot for us if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews we get, the more people discover our podcasts, and personally, I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you aren't subscribed yet, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, wherever you get your podcasts, you're going to be able to find us. And it's best to subscribe just so you don't miss any future episodes. And again, thank you. And feel free to reach out anytime at Dustin at Jocel.me, or connect with me on LinkedIn. All right, take care.